Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Be Unbound podcast. I am your host for this week, David Rethemeyer, and this week we have a discussion with a very, very special group of people. Uh, for those of you who may not be familiar with what is going on in the community, uh, just last month, uh, not quite a month ago as of this podcast's release, we had Unbound's biggest event of the year that we hold every year called Apex, which is the event where Unbounders from across the world come together and have a ton of fun spending time together doing all sorts of fun activities, and we get to hear from some amazing speakers uh, we have some keynote speakers who are notable that uh, you might recognize who come in and give us really valuable sessions. But one of the other cool things that uh, happens at Apex is that alumni sessions happen. Apex is not just an event for current students. A lot of alumni come back and get to spend time and hang out with uh, other fellow students and former students in the community. And they have the opportunity to give presentations at Apex. And I myself was fortunate enough to be able to do that at Apex Forge 2021. And today I am joined by three of the other alumni who gave phenomenal, excellent presentations at Apex this last year. A lot of you who are in the community might recognize uh, these people, but uh, for those who may not know each of you guys, uh, if you could give a brief introduction of who you are, uh, what you are doing, and uh, how long you've been in the Undone community. Uh, we'll start with Dylan. Hey, thanks, David. I'm so happy to be on here with everybody. Uh, my name is Dylan Whitaker. I currently work both as in retail in my family's store doing jewelry retail, and then also at my local church doing IT, AV, and logistics there. And I'm very glad to be here. I've been involved in the community really uh, since probably 2017 uh, going forward. Uh, for a while, I wasn't involved, but then somebody convinced me, actually my coach at the time convinced me, you really need to check out this thing called the forums and and start talking to people and jumped in and uh, never looked back. So it's been a great, great opportunity to be involved with that. And uh, when Dylan says involved and just, you know, it casually mentions the forums, uh, what he didn't tell you there is the fact that he was actually uh, a moderator for the forums and spent a lot of time contributing to one of the most important parts of the community and allowing people to connect. So super grateful for what you have done uh, up until just recently when you retired uh, from being a forms moderator. So super grateful for all that you have been doing in the community. Well, it was fun. I enjoyed it. So Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Molly, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Yeah, thank you. So I can definitely tell you what I've done in the community. You asked what I am doing and I never know what I'm currently doing. So I will not answer that question, but I can also tell you what I hope to do. Um, so I have been around the community since 2011. So it's been about 10 years. I started in 2016 officially. I'm one of the Unbound siblings. Um, so I started in 2016, graduated with my bachelor's degree in 2019 um, with a BSBA in marketing from Liberty University. I was on the cabinet twice. Um, now I am getting my MBA on campus at Liberty. 
Yeah, uh, Molly, as someone else who also went through Unbound and then uh, got their MBA at an on-campus university, uh, I think we have similar experiences. And I think that uh, both of us could probably attest to how helpful our Unbound experiences have been in uh, transitioning to be able to kind of go into a more traditional uh, education realm. For sure. Yours was in... Finance or accounting, right? Uh, mine was just in uh, like business management leadership. Rachel, uh, can you be our final one to introduce yourself? Sure, yeah. It is really fun to be on this podcast. Um, I am Rachel Kinsey. I enrolled in 2016, I guess, got my bachelor's degree, graduated in 2018, um, have been in and around the community in various capacities since then. I was on the cabinet. For one year, I was on the SLI for about 18 months. That's the Student Leadership Initiative, which is one of our um, older student leadership teams. I currently am one of the Ascend team leaders, so kind of doing point of contact and group coaching person for one of the Ascend teams here. So shout out to Team 3. I guess what I do now is I work a smattering of kind of part-time jobs. I work for a hybrid classical school as a campus aide and doing their social media I also work for a Christian study center doing operations, communications for them. So a little bit of everything at this point, which is just the season of life right now. Yeah, I am from Southwest Virginia, so enjoying the mountains that are kind of starting to head towards fall right now. Now, something that, uh, Rachel, you mentioned and Molly also touched on was being a part of the cabinet. And if you're not familiar with Apex, is uh, Apex is a really, really cool event for the community. Uh, one of the biggest reasons for that is because uh, Unbound as an organization isn't the sole party that organizes and makes Apex happen. A large portion of Apex is planned and organized organized by a group of students who volunteer a ton of time and work to make an event, a nationwide event, happen. So uh, both of you guys, uh, Rachel and Molly, got to be a part of that. Uh, Let's see here. I think, Molly, at least you did it twice, right? Yeah. So that is that is really, really cool. So that is a great transition into the next thing that I wanted to ask each of you guys about is that we are all alumni. And so most of us, uh, with one exception here, uh, have been to Apex <laughs> a decent number of times. Uh, so, you know, We're I not wanted name to name a little cast. A little passive aggressive jab there. Not mentioning Dawn by name, but (laughs) well, as as I said in my speech, I'm not sure if I was asked to come speak because everybody really wanted to hear me speak, or everybody was sick and tired of me not coming to Apex, and so they said, "Oh, this is a great way for him to come." Because I vividly remember Molly arguing with me for what seemed like 30 minutes of why I should end up at Apex and what was the best way to get me there. And I think it came down to pretty much they had to kidnap me to get me to Apex or clear my schedule totally. But they creatively came up with the idea of asking me to speak and getting ourselves or getting Apex on your schedule. And then (laughs) right, exactly. (laughs) It was like, we'll put Apex on your schedule. So you have to come. That's so funny. When was that? I have no memory of that conversation. Oh. Although it definitely sounds like something I would have done. <laughs> I think it probably had to be like 2018 or 2019. 
because I think you were on there and Garrett Winsenberg. I must have been on Ant Hill. Yeah. 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 So probably 2019. Yeah. So you you and Garrett Winsenberg were both on there arguing with me (laughs) about it. So So, uh, regardless of how many times that we have been to Apex, it is an awesome experience. And so I wanted to just kind of ask each of you guys uh, how you would describe uh, the Apex experience to someone who has never been to Apex and is totally unfamiliar with this event that we apparently will hound people about coming to for years and years on end until they finally show up uh borderline kidnapping them so (laughs) yeah how how would you how would you guys describe apex to somebody who's never been i would describe apex as basically it's a convention so you're bringing everybody together um but it's also kind of a combination of content like you would have at a conference but also the relational networking of just kind of bringing people together um, and the some of the fun elements of almost like a uh, summer camp or a campus ministry event. Um, you're bringing all these students together from a whole range of ages who are all very different, but at the same time, they have a really unique perspective on doing life differently based on, you know, what they've chosen to do with college. And that what I always think is really neat um, about Apex is that you get not only the people who are thinking about doing life and education differently, but who are thinking about doing relationships differently. And so you bring all these people who are willing to really do something different, to go outside of the box, and you bring them together in a place where um, cabinet and staff have really been pouring into, like, how can you shape this to be a really neat um, environment to kind of uh, nurture growth and get people kind of um, excited for the next year doing college this way. It always is just really fun. You have speakers, you have events, you have small group activities. A couple things that I always enjoy about Apex that I think are the highlights and what makes it so special are that, one, it's a really good perspective reset um, every year. I think it's neat to have um, this kind of time that's different from everything else in your schedule that's sort of set apart to come to hear from all these speakers for several days in a row, to be able to discuss those speakers with a bunch of other people who are also kind of like-minded and enjoy bringing that that growth mindset together too. Sometimes that's not always the situation or the community context you're in at home. So to have that kind of perspective reset um, going into the year and then and reminded that kind of, yeah, like growth does matter. And these things people are talking about are very applicable and that's how they fit into my life. And then also I just love the relational I don't know what the word for it is. The place where all of, you see all the people. I love kind of this feeling of you're leaving your home, going like six states away or something. And it feels like coming home at the same time to kind of meet these people that you haven't seen in a year or new people you've never met, but they're still, you can pick up the conversation very easily because there's a lot of like-mindedness there. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's a really ra- well-rounded summary of what Apex is and, uh, and the experience of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I would completely concur with what Rachel said. I thinking through it as she was talking, I realized the reason that's a hard question to answer is because there's like two different levels of answering it, right? So you have the and maybe this is like my marketing sales brain working here too, because there's like the the top level, the you know, what do you tell people who haven't been before as far as like how you know you're you kind of like clean it up where you're like Okay, it's like, or you simplify it down, maybe is a better way to say it, where you're like, there are speakers, here's the events, here are the activities, this is where you're staying, and it's a fairly 
clinical explanation as far as what's going to happen. And then you say like, it's really fun to try to wrap up like how nice it is and like the enjoyable experience. But when you've been before, it's a very different conversation um, because there's a lot of unquantifiable elements that are really hard to like talk about. You know, if you're, if someone's messaging you like, Oh, what is it like at Apex? Should I come? You can't, it's really hard to just say it's awesome because <laughs> they're just like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. What does that mean? Um, Awesome's relative, you know, in a lot of terms. They're like, oh, I might not think it's awesome. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's a very difficult question to answer for for that specific purpose. It's kind of like you can list all of the different things that you do at Apex, but then there is just the overall experience that you get out of Apex. Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. No, I would completely concur. For you know something I'm observing more and more, so I work a remote job right now, um, and all of the like quote-unquote career jobs I've had have been remote. I What I've observed with my remote jobs, and there have been three now, is that they're successful in the fact that like it's really good to have um like it's good to be able to design your own workspace and have that flexibility and change things up and like find your own individual group outside of an office and i've been able to travel like there's tons of great things however what has made my uh, ability to work a remote job like successful so what has actually made that work successful always ties into have i met the people in person so my first remote job um, well, I guess my second remote job, I worked there for three or four months and I was really struggling. I was like super struggling. And then and I told my boss, I was like, I can, and I was the only remote um, person on that team. And I told my boss, I said, I need to meet other people in person. I can't do this, you know, anymore on my own. I don't feel experienced enough. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what the environment is or anything. And she was like, okay. So she flew me out to the company headquarters and I spent, it was just like two or three days there. Um, and then I went home and I was a hundred percent more successful in my job, like night and day more successful. Um, and it's hard to even put a finger on it because my work was very individual. So it's not like, um, just meeting other people had, you know, changed exactly what I did, but something in there changed the personal connections I had with people. So when my coworker messaged me, okay, like the letter O and the letter K, I wasn't like, oh my goodness, she probably hates me. It was like, oh, okay, like got the message, all good. Um, and I think it's kind of the same with Apex where it's like, you might not even be able to correlate like a difference in your life. But if you look back and realize like getting to have that in-person community is going to affect everything a lot better. So even if you don't need those people to get your classes done, because like you're the one doing the work, you're probably going to come home and find that you're a lot more successful at school. And it's because you've had that in-person, you know, personal connection. And that's not, I can't make that scientific and it's not very quantifiable, but it's, something I've observed in my own life, you know, multiple times over. Yeah, I'm pretty sure student life has some stats on like people's credit, like accomplishment and stuff like that, like before Apex and after Apex. Oh, and it yeah. actually does increase your, you would like doing college this way, like feeling like you're getting more done, finishing your degree faster, like it's somewhere there are actually stats. I don't know what the stats are, but there is an increase. No, you're right. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, well, and I think that's one of the coolest things <clears throat> about the Ascend program compared to a lot of other online college programs that you'll find out there is that uh, most online college programs, you are just doing your 
work online and there's not really nearly as much of that sense of community building. Let's be honest, discussion boards don't really build community. That just doesn't really happen, especially when there is just a required assignment. Where you can't use first person and there's like the required word count. And uh, so you're just like, Good job. You did excellently. <laughs> <laughs> yep. One would agree with your points if one were educated. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And so that's that's why uh, one of the reasons why Ascend, I think, is just such a standout when it comes to online education is because built into the program is being able to connect with people in real life at events like Apex and the leadership courses and Basecamp is that those events are so valuable in just your overall experience, even if they're just a few days where you're getting to interact with people, you're still connecting with the people that you're working alongside of, which is super powerful. I would completely agree with that. That's been one of my favorite parts, observing Ascend, even at the end of Apex, because over the years of Apex, it's great, but it's not, you're never going to replicate an Apex because there's completely different people every year. Um, and so it's really hard. This is one of the hard parts at the end of Apex. You're like, oh my goodness, I don't never know when I'm going to see these people again. And so it makes the connections a lot harder. You're trying to evaluate like, well, if I don't like, am I actually going to go to the work of like visiting this person who lives halfway across the country? Okay, probably not. So I'm probably never going to see them again. So eh, probably not going to make the cut for who I try to like keep in touch with. Um, but like, and it's impossible because you've only had like three days to get to know people. Whereas I love with the send, there's three events. So there's three like guaranteed opportunities to hang out with people and cultivate your relationships with them. Yeah, I loved seeing uh, after, like at the, as everyone was saying goodbye at the end of Apex this year, how uh, in previous years, a lot of people were like, well, maybe uh, like we'll see it again, like at a regional gathering or something like that. I heard a lot of people saying, can't wait to see you again at base camp, which is coming up in, I believe, February. So that's super exciting. I think that is one of my favorite things that they've changed about um, Ascend and how they've kind of structured events is that you do track with like the same group of people, at least for three events, as mm -hmm. Apex, Base Camp, and Capstone, so that you're seeing, you're able to build those relationships rather than I saw you once and only if we can really make it work, um, can we stay in touch, but you're actually getting to kind of build, because you can build on it, like the relationships can build, like we met each other at one and then you can go deeper um, each time when you're able to kind of pick up where you left off, so. I think that was cool. But I would like to honestly, um, Dylan, hear your um, answer to the original question. Like, how would you describe Apex to someone who's never been now that you have finally been? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think y'all probably said it better than I'm able to say. If I were to put it kind of in a nutshell, I'd say it's it's like a three-day college retreat um, where you uh, go and get uh, motivated uh, through speakers and through um, fellowship and through activities uh, to go back and conquer the challenges of either education or life um, that you have. So um, it's a, just a good time of uh, stepping back from the day-to-day -day grind that is either writing papers or <laughs> um, work or just general life uh, to connect with people, to have fun together and then to be encouraged uh, to live intentionally in uh, your work and culture. So. Yeah. 
yeah, that's that's a solid description. Uh, so now I kind of want to, you gave a, I think a pretty good, uh, description of, you know, what, what sort of the features, the feature list of apex is. And now I'd just be curious to hear your overall takeaways just of the experience as yeah, like we've talked about is that you've been a part, a really big part, uh, I would say of the community for a long time, but, uh, uh, to, amend my initial question have you been to any of uh, any like in-person uh unbound gatherings before apex yes um so last year i went to the uh business boot camp that happened in florida uh i went down there and that was fun um and then i've also been able to ho- host a couple uh like unofficial student gatherings and have people at in down in Florida, uh, probably uh, five times, I think, is where we're at right now. So, yes, I had met other students and done that, but it was fun to actually meet people in person that you just communicated online with and get to fellowship with them, uh, reconnect with people, grow some relationships um, there. And uh, so, yes, I'm an extrovert and I'm a people person. So it was really fun to just have tons of people that you could talk to. So you you never ran out. You know, you could sit at a different table each day and really just get to know new people. And that's always fun and exciting. But I think the beauty is for those who are introverted, it is a place that you can connect with a few people and just, you know, spend quality time with them, too. So it has it's it meets kind of the social needs of both uh, both groups and categories there uh I, I mean the property is just absolutely beautiful um and the location is great great activities um and there unfortunately i didn't get to do a lot of them because i was either getting ready for my speech or writing my final papers uh, for my degree uh or final projects for that from what i saw and i saw a lot of people having fun i did jump on the go-karts and those were great um, there and got to do that but uh just probably my favorite aspect of it was connecting with friends um and people that i knew and, and making new friends so yeah i think you touched on something that uh is really important and one of the reasons that i was hesitant at first to go to apex i don't think that i went until a couple years after i got into the community was that i am very much an introvert and so the concept of going to an event where there's like 100, 200 people, uh, majority of whom I'm like kind of familiar with, but I don't really know that well, was super intimidating. So right. yeah. uh, it, it wasn't until I actually went there that there was sort of that recognition of, okay, yeah, there are a lot of people here, but there's still room for like intimate spaces and smaller one-on-one or small group conversations that sort of meet the sort of introvert need for those smaller groups and deeper conversations. So that's, it's one of the few events that I personally have been to that I think does that particularly well. Yeah. What's interesting about that is, you know, cause I've heard a lot of like scared introverts talk about Apex is like most of the staff, I'm just thinking about now, most of the people on Unbound staff are introverts. And so you have, they're hosting, and you're going to an event actually designed and hosted by introverts, depending on the cabinet. But if you think about 
Megan, Ellie, Victoria, and Jonathan are all in tr- Well, Jonathan kind of flips around, but the other three are all are all introverts. And and so it's just interesting and it's a random observation. <laughs> So what we just talked about was Apex and uh, what is coming up for a lot of people in Unbound that we are really, really excited for is our Navigate course. And some of the things that we have talked a lot about at Apex and what we're going to get ready to talk a little bit about in our alumni presentations was uh, how Unbound students have such a unique approach to just life in general. Uh, You've heard us talk about this a lot, where we have uh, an education and a mindset looking on life that is very, very unique. And one of the, I would say, foundational ways that 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 happens is through our Navigate course. Uh, It is basically an eight-week Uh, online course where students are taken through and given a decision-making framework where instead of just having the ability to recall a bunch of information and trying to stuff as much information in your head as possible, Navigate focuses on developing your students' ability to ask good questions that will help them navigate through all of the big questions and challenges in life. And Navigate is included in Ascend, so all of our current students will be taking it, but it is also open to just about anyone who is interested in enrolling in it. It counts for some high school credit and uh, people who are getting ready to go into college or thinking about college options. It is also a phenomenal course for them. So if you have any sort of interest in Navigate, go to beunbound.us slash navigate. Uh, as of the date of this podcast going up, enrollment will end in two days. Enrollment ends September 19th. So make sure to go check it out and to enroll if you're interested. I personally would be shocked if you regretted it because it is truly a phenomenal course. All right. So what I want to kind of have us do for the latter half of this podcast is talk a little bit about each other's presentations. So each one of us got to give a 15 to 20 minute talk at Apex. And I think what was really cool about a lot of the presentations, alumni or keynote, is that we ended up having a lot of very similar material. I think pretty much all of us commented on it at some point was the fact that you know you would hear the speaker right before you or the day before you, and then you would be like, man, they're talking about some of the same stuff that I'm getting ready to talk about. Do I change it? Do I like reference that? Or do I try to like make sure that people know that I'm not trying to plagiarize off of this? What, what do I do? Uh, <laughs> and it ended up being really cool, though. A lot of the students that I talked to, at least, were really appreciative of the fact that a lot of us were just saying and driving home similar points, but in different ways. So, uh, yeah, so I figured it would be good for us to talk a little bit about what uh, each other talked about in our sessions. Uh, I'll start with a question, uh, Molly. I, as someone else who works with social media on a daily basis and in marketing, really appreciated your talk a lot. Uh, specifically, I really like that you gave a perspective of social media and how it can be used that was balanced in looking at it as just a powerful tool for 
communication is that uh, social media in and of itself isn't necessarily a good or a bad thing, but a lot of people have negative views of it. And one of the things he talked about is that, you know, you, it, there's a lot of negativity on there, but we have the ability and we should be using it in good ways. So what I wanted to ask you about was that a lot of people that I know have had really bad experiences on or with social media. So something that's kind of related to your talk is uh, how would you say uh, you know you would approach someone who is wanting to be active on social media and use it to create positive change and wants to do good with it, but wants to be able to do so in a healthy way? Um, well, not to like be weirdly exchanging compliments, but I, I really appreciate actually your session about listening because when I was uh, originally doing my interview to be a speaker, I the cabinet was asking me like, what points do you want to make about social media? Because I specifically said, I want to have practical uh, instruction and tips on how to do it well. And they were like, well, what are your practical instructions? And the biggest one I said was listening. And when it came around to writing my session, like the time, like, there's just not enough time to talk about everything I want to say. And so I really wanted to spend a lot of time on listening. And I, it was just impossible to do that. Um, and so I was really excited that you had a whole session about listening uh, because it was all the things that I really wanted to talk about in my session and the importance of that. Um, and so I was glad that everyone got a whole 20 minutes about that. Um, because 30 seconds in my session was not enough to cover it. Um, that being said, that was definitely not on topic of your question, but I've been thinking about that when I looked back at my notes uh, for Apex. Um, as far as, yeah, I, I think we're under this mistaken impression a lot of times that social media is completely out of our control. Whereas like we have a ton of control over our social media space. So a lot of people are like, oh my goodness, I open up social media and I'm just surrounded by this, this, and this. Um, I'm constantly seeing another crisis in the world. I'm constantly faced with people who are just displaying their political opinions and people who aren't gracious or people who are throwing their um, relationship that's picture perfect in my face. Like we complain a lot about social media and we never seem to pay attention to the fact that we have a lot of control there. Um, there's the unfriend and also the unfollow button that you have access to unlimitedly. Um, if you have any kind of social media account, um, I know that something I've done a lot, really started doing it a lot last year and I've continued to do it is Thinking critically, like anytime I open up social media and I spend the most amount of time on Instagram and I notice that Instagram affects my brain the most and like just my mood and yeah, a lot of different things. Um, I've become very empowered to whenever I see something that I kind of like peaks my brain and I'm like, I don't like that's not lifting me up. That's not educating me. That's just wasting my time um, being paying attention to that little thought a lot more carefully and taking the instant in that second to, you know, if it was a post that popped up be like, that had no meat that it added to my life at all. There was no good thought there. There was nothing encouraging, nothing there that drew me to the Lord and nothing there that exposed me to a different opinion, you know, that would be educating to learn. No fact, like it was just this person posting their cup of coffee today. 
And I'm like, okay, is that all that that person does? Was that just like a one-off and going and looking at that? And if all they're doing is, and I'm sorry if any of you have done this, but if all they're posting is like pictures of their coffee and then a picture of a tree and then a picture of the sunset, like I pretty much inherently unfollow them. Um, and I used to follow a lot of people out of like, oh, um, kind of this expectation of, oh, they follow me and I kind of know them. So I'm going to follow them back. And probably everyone who knows me who listens to this podcast is about to go see if I follow them. And I've unfollowed a lot of people who just don't have like really great content to my life. Um, and it's, it's a little bit of a harsh thing, I think, to say sometimes or a little harsh thing to hear. But if we're actually serious about using this tool wisely, then, you know, I think we'll take it seriously. Um, and not be afraid to do that. And it may also challenge other people. Like, you know, if followers are something you care about, or you want other people to follow you, maybe post something that's uplifting and educational. Um, and that's actually not too rude, but like worth people's time. Um, so I, I think that's the biggest thing that kind of frustrates me when I think about people who are like, oh, I don't like, it's just so bad. And it's like, you actually control that a lot. You control what you look at, you control what you follow, you can mute people. Um, you can change the way the algorithm routes you by just liking and commenting on certain things. So even if you do want to follow a bunch of stuff, if you just interact with the posts and save the posts that you're most interested in and like the most, um, you can, you have a lot of control, totally within your control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, uh, if you're a Facebook user, they have a feature called favorites where you can take like a person or a page that you really like the content of, and you can add it to your favorites. So that way the algorithm rates it higher so that you see more stuff like that. And it pops up as the first things in your feed. So that's another really helpful one. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. It's, I, I find it very interesting how often people bash like, oh, social media um, or like the mongrels of social media are out to like destroy your life and make everything in your brain go to pot and stuff. But like, there's actually a lot of tools built in for you to kind of pick your own destiny there. Um, and, and the algorithms are as much as people complain about it actually meant to help you curate what you want to see. And so you just have to be intentional about that. So I'd l love to ask Molly a question kind of following up on that. You know, sometimes think about when I was thinking about your uh, your talk, Molly. And one of the things I think that the flip side um, that some of us who are involved a lot in social media, either for work or marketing or even in life, um, one thing that, you know, we can get the comment on is we realize we're tied to our devices or tied to these uh, uh, sites, social media sites and that kind of stuff. So uh, balancing what you have just said about using it as a tool, what are some practical ways that you have found um, in order to use it at a, as a tool, but not let it control your life? So you said practical tips. So I'll say one thing, and then I'm honestly going to temper it with a secondary thought that I've had. So last year, actually, I was thinking a lot about, oh my goodness, I'm spending so much time on my phone and it's taking away from this, this, and this. Um, and so I have an iPhone and a lot of people do. I don't, I, I'm pretty sure this is possible with an Android phone too, but I couldn't guide you through it. Um, where you can put <laughs> screen limits on a bunch of different apps. And so what I started doing is during specific hours, I would just have um, screen limits. So I had to, you can still like open. So I had it on like almost every single app on my phone. 
um, except for like maybe calls and text messages or something like that. Um, you can still open the app, but you have to like go through this little thing that's either like ignore the limit. I think it's like one minute, 15 minutes or um, for the rest of the day. And it's like just a huge mental thing, even though it's like just a little button, you can turn it off. There's like this little moment of guilt that you have. It just makes you stop and like double check, like, wait, I'm not supposed to be doing this. Okay, wait, never mind. Like, I'm not doing it. I promise. Um, and so that was a really practical thing I noticed in my life. I also like in social media apps, most of them, you can say it's that like a reminder, like shut this off after I've spent this amount of time on it, or at least give me a little um, notification after I've spent, you know, 30 minutes or an hour or something. Like I realized with Facebook that if I spent more than 30 minutes on it, I definitely was wasting time. Uh, there's no universe I realized where I need to spend more than 30 minutes on Facebook today, unless something like major had happened and probably not even then. Um, so that is one thing. However, after I started doing that, and, and I guess um, additionally, I also started having my phone give me a little alert at the end of every week that was like, this is how much time you spent on your phone this week. That was very enlightening, let me tell you. Um, however, I changed my stance on that a little bit. And the reason I changed my stance is because I realized the problem was not, for me personally, was not with how much I was on my phone. The problem was, what am I doing when I'm on my phone? So for example, last year, we were all stuck in quarantine. I realized, so what I realized since I was alone at my apartment all the time with my roommate is I was spending a lot of time on Marco Polo, which is uh, basically like a video conferencing app. And I realized that's not wasted time. That was something that was allowing me to connect directly with people. And last year, that was the same basically as getting a cup of coffee with someone. And so to like punish myself, for using Marco Polo and actually having connection, a real connection with someone was not, did not align with my personal vision or goals. Um, so I turned off a lot of the screen limit times and I try to start thinking more critically about what I'm actually doing. And that requires much more discipline. It requires a lot more thought because you don't have a button just automatically popping up that you can just like choose whether or not to ignore. But I think if you adopt that mentality long term, uh, you have a lot better critical thinking skills and you're probably uh, going to be much more intentional about your time overall. Yeah, just uh, another one to add on for uh, practicals is that an, a service that I have used in the past is uh, an app, and it's also you can do it on your desktop called Freedom, where it gives you like a lot of analytics on how much time that you're spending on things, and you can set restrictions for different applications and stuff on your computer. And I have found that that has helped me a lot in the past year or so. So there, there's another free practical one that people might be interested in. Oh, that's cool. I've never heard of that one. Freedom. Yeah, there's some awesome, there's like, isn't there one that's like you plant a tree if you, no, there is, there's one that like, if you, I'm not if heard you of this. follow, yeah, if you follow like your screen time limit, it'll, they'll like plant a tree. Do you know what I'm talking about, Rachel? I've heard of it because I think Megan was explaining it to me at one point, but yeah, I know, or for however long you like don't violate your set limits or something it kind of increases and the plant grows and if you violate them it like starts dying or something but i think it actually is linked to planting some sort of like trees in other places like nonprofit as well too somehow. okay good i was gonna say i was pretty sure it was a real tree okay i that. think there's a both element i'm not positive because okay. i never used it so maybe somebody listening to this knows what they're what we're actually trying to talk about <laughs> <and can> comment <laughs> 
with corrections. Rachel, I know that you and I talked just a few weeks before Apex, or maybe it was a month, um, of we were talking about our sessions and writing them. Um, and at that point, I know you were saying, wow, I chose a really broad category and I'm trying to figure out the right way to narrow in. And so I'm curious when you did, because you did narrow in quite a bit um, in, a, in a great way. And so I'm curious as you were you know, writing out the rest of your session, what helped you narrow in? Why did you choose um, the angle that you chose on story um, and how did, how did all of that work out? Yeah, that's a good question. I think I ended up kind of wrestling with what is it exactly that I want people to take away from the session? What is it about? Like if I tried to fill in the blank, like I am talking about what? Um, I want people to leave with what? Um, that kind of helps them. And I was coming back to, I think, I guess it's fair to say the angle I basically took is this should be, story should be kind of a lens that you look at things with. And so being able to almost back up and not have to tie it so much into like, here's all the possible ways ever that you could apply this because that's so broad. And I started realizing like, I can't tell people how this is actually going to impact their life because the whole point is that it's something that's kind of so, it's a, like a, the structure that you basically fill in and it's very, like application is going to vary so much based on person to person. Um, that kind of allowing myself to actually like back up and say like just talk about it as a lens and then give people some almost kickstarter challenges to like see how this kind of this angle with the lens could help you or this angle with the lens could help you think about your life differently was i think the lifesaver as far as realizing like this is how to take a broad topic and actually talk about it in a way that sort of actually works in the 20 minutes i was given yeah so i think yeah basically just backing up and talking about it more as a lens than trying to go into all applications. No, that makes total sense. And I love what you said about how you couldn't apply it for everyone. You had to let them do it themselves because I found that a lot with writing my session as well. I wanted to go into so much of it kind of doing that extra step for them and realizing I didn't have time to do it. And that was really rough because I was like, you kind of have to transfer the control into the hands of your listener and trust that they will appreciate what you said enough and take the time and effort to actually, you know, take that extra step and look at their life, um, which is really hard. Like you really, you want to do as much to them as you can and, and give them as much of your thoughts as you want. But uh, so it's definitely a release of control. So I very much understand what you're saying. Um, but I also think it's cool that the cabinet kind of forced us into that with the time constraint because um, it was probably good for us and good for the audience to have to engage their brains that way. Yeah, I would have felt sorry if the audience had to listen to me for like 45 minutes or an hour, you know. Be <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I think it honestly, to set it up that way and not give someone all the content in, in a talk is very like empowering and dignifying to the hearers. Like it basically says, I trust you that you will take this and run with this. And you actually know more about how to apply this in your life than I do. And like, go do it. It allows people to come and talk to you one-on-one -on -one afterwards too. And, you know, start great conversations. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think that, uh, in thinking about how to view concepts in life as a story, I think actually it lined up really nicely with Rachel talking about that. And then Dylan, your talk was really the meat of it was talking about living life intentionally through the lens of stories that you have experienced in your life. So, uh, I was curious as to how you came to decide to go take that approach in giving your talk at Apex and just talking about stories. Yeah. Um, so it was interesting when I, I knew the general direction I wanted to go with it, um, kind of from the beginning when uh, I was talking, you know, even before I talked to the cabinet about it. Um, but the actual details of, of, how I was going to tell the stories or which stories were going to come. Um, you know, actually the story about my mom that I put in there was actually kind of put in the last minute while I was at apex putting on the finishing touches and thinking, how can I wrap this up and really, um, kind of give it a, a good example of what living intentionally, um, during uncertainty looks like practically um in the day-to-day -day. because you know i think a lot of times we think well i don't you know you know the first story i told about starting the production company um and different things like that it's like you know, not all of us are going to get into filmmaking or not all of us are going to be in marketing or not all of us are going to be in uh, you know writing um but so what was a, a story that could come along and really just talk about the day-to-day -day struggles um, and, and really connect in a way with people where you say, okay, here's how I can live intentionally in the day-to-day, -day, in the mundane, in the uh, not exciting, thrilling parts of life um, there. Um, and so that just kind of, you know, I really, I really believe God brought that to me during that week as I was thinking and praying about and, you know, putting together the finishing touches on that. And being able to add that in, I, I think, was able to uh, hopefully give people an idea of ways practically that we can live intentionally, um, even in, in times when things are rough, things are, are not going well, things are not going our way. As a speaker, I think it's really hard to graciously tell less pleasant stories like you because you want to inspire people and so you want to lead them up and up and up up the mountain to like victory and success and like if you follow the things i say this is where you're going to go and it's going to be awesome and amazing beyond your wildest imagination um but the reality is that's not always going to be the case like it is it's it, their life might not be completely different in a very tangible way they can look at and be like, oh my goodness, I'm going to start this award-winning film company and like all this stuff. It might look more like extraordinary, ordinary. Um, and so the fact that you were able to tell that story, that was, that was pretty much embodied that the extraordinary at the ordinary and was extremely inspiring um, without being, you know, we made it over the mountain was really incredible. I really appreciate that. Well, anybody who knows my mom, uh, well knows she's a, a pretty amazing lady. And so, um, you know, I've been honored to, to grow up with that and then to see, see that aspect of living intentionally, um, uh, being lived, uh, day to day in front of me. So, 
I was honored to be able to, to share that. I have another question. I always have more questions. Um, <laughs> well, my question is actually for you, David, um, for your session. Um, so like I said, listening is something that I, it was really important to me as I was writing my session because it's one of the biggest issues I've seen with social media is just people don't listen. Like people just don't stop and think with their heads and hear what was posted and like internalize it and pause and have that moment like you would have in a real conversation. Um, and you talked, you made some awesome points about listening and I'm curious kind of what inspired you. It, it feels to me like the kind of subject, at least I know if I were going to write a session like that, it would be fueled by like a frustrating, like too many frustrating interactions with people not listening. Um, and so I'm curious to know what inspired you on that. Um, as far as, uh, what made you feel like kind of an expert on the topic such that you felt like you're qualified to give the session? What inspired you to give the session and what, as you were, um, writing it, what was kind of the material that you use? Like, what did you build on from lessons of research or writing about? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, first I'm going to say that as far as being like an expert or being qualified at listening, uh, I am just going to say right here and right now that I'm not. And honestly, I think that was the biggest inspiration for this talk was just one of the biggest lessons that I've learned over the past couple of years is that people are worth listening to, and that makes a real difference. And it's something that I have failed at doing at a lot. But when I have taken the time to really try to listen and understand someone and just look beyond how the words they are speaking make me feel and try to understand the person and why they're saying what they are saying and what they are trying to communicate, it really achieved some great things. As far as what I looked up for really just trying to find and gather resources, uh, I did listen actually to a few, quite a few TED Talks on listening. There are a decent number of them out there, and uh, most of them were very, very good. And one of the things that I didn't talk about a whole lot in my talk that I really appreciated from them was that they were advocating a lot at the end for listening is a skill, and it's a skill that should be taught right alongside of reading and writing, because it's a foundational skill that we need to be able to operate just as people in the world, to be able to communicate effectively. And I think that's something that, you know, as someone who has really been attempting to, sometimes successfully, sometimes not so much, uh, learn how to listen better you know and my in the earlier part of my second decade on the planet you know i get to you know, hopefully share with others how important that is and maybe inspire some people to put more effort into it as well and a follow-up david on sure. that um i know growing in the ability to ask like follow-up questions mm -hmm. um has improved how i listen um what are some practical or I'm always looking for practical because I think we can have an idea and then it's like, okay, how do I yes. apply this mm -hmm. to me personally? Yeah. Um, how have you found practically um, 
being able to listen, but also think about questions at the same time and not like tune people out, but mm-hmm. be able to then be listening well enough to formulate those questions and ask them. Do you have any tips on doing that um, there? Yeah, that is that is probably one of the biggest parts of developing listening as a skill is that is an extremely challenging thing to do that is not normal because at least for me I have an internal monologue that's going on thinking through you know all, all of like the different random things that might be going on my in my head whether or not it's like you know something that has to do with what the person's saying or you know, what I want for lunch later. So uh, trying to silence all of that and be able to effectively listen is hard. Uh, I think that the practical thing that has helped me the most is that when I am taking the time to intentionally listen, uh, if I am wanting to make sure that the person that I'm talking with knows that I'm making an effort to understand them, and to make sure that I have the correct impression and I am actually listening well is to sort of summarize the main points of what they just talked about back to them. So, for example, for what you were just talking about, Dylan, if I understood properly what you were asking is that you're saying that you want to make sure that you understand the practical aspects of ideas well. And so you were wanting some clarification on how to practically take into action the concepts of listening well. So there, there's like a super practical thing. And uh, like I said, it's not an easy thing to do by any means. It's I still will not claim to be good at it. Uh, and the other thing that I'll add on to the end of that is that, like I mentioned earlier, we sort of have an internal monologue, or a lot of us do. Apparently, there's some people who don't, which I does not make sense to me personally. But uh, yeah, so there's just all this other stuff that's going on in our heads. And Taking a moment before, if you, especially if you know that you're about to enter into like a challenging conversation or a conversation where listening is really important, taking a moment to sort of recognize where your own headspace is at and try to, the, this, this term sounds a little bit weird, but it makes sense, empty your mind of just all of the various things that might be distracting you from listening is something else that can be really, really helpful. All right. Well, that this has been really, really cool. It was awesome to get to talk about Apex and some of the takeaways that each of us have had since Apex. So thank you, each of you, for coming on and uh, taking the time out of your busy schedules to uh, have these conversations. Uh, for anyone else who is wondering about some of the cool things that you are doing, uh, where can the people find you or potentially uh, get a hold of you? Uh, Dylan, I'll start with you. So f- right now, we're super excited. I'm working with my friend uh, on our company, production company, Noble Steve Productions. We're on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, and we are just getting to the end of fundraising for a feature length, uh, mini series, basically, uh, based off of a book, uh, that was written, uh, early 1900s, um, but is super practical today about living intentionally. Um, which is funny cause it kind of goes with everything that was talked about at, at apex there. Um, but we will be, 
giving updates and really starting to release some cool things that are going on with that. There's information about the project at those areas. Um, so yeah, look up Noble Steve Productions um, and follow us there. Or even if you just want to connect with me, um, I'm on Facebook there and would be happy to connect with you and uh, get to know you better. So thanks, David, for hosting this. Absolutely. Dylan, are you like... DJ Whitaker or something on Facebook. Like I was trying to look yeah, up something. D, so, it's, so it's DC Whitaker. Oh, DC. And yeah, I did that so that I didn't get a bunch of random people following me. But yes, I would love for people who um, are part of this community to to connect with me there. But. You all are not. Uh, I, I'm so. sorry, but now I'm just picturing Dylan as a DJ because he said that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave that to Abe. I, I don't think I can top Abe DJing. So. Yeah. <laughs> that was all. I was just so tired. I just remember, I can't remember why, but I was, I think someone, this is going to sound really weird, but someone was like asking, like, I think they didn't know like quite who you were or something. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, let me pull up a picture or something like that. And so I was trying to find you on Facebook. I'm freaking out like, now. But then um, I couldn't find it. I was like, I swear that Dylan was on Facebook. Yeah. And I like went through and stuff. And so, but yeah, in my tired state, DJ was much more close <laughs> to the top than DC. <laughs> Anyways. I love it. I love it. Alter ego suggestion for you. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, uh, Molly, thank you for joining us despite your tired state. I really appreciate you and your perspective. Where can the people find you? Yeah, no, it was a pleasure. So um, I kind of mentioned this earlier. I spend the most time on Instagram. My handle, it's a little different. So prepare yourself. It is at with love underscore from Jupi, that's J-U-P-I, like Jupiter, but you cut off the tail end. Um, so I spend the most time there. I'm also on Facebook. Um, I spend a lot of time on Facebook Messenger. So if you want to connect with me, feel free to hit me up there. Um, I show up around Unbound a lot. I'm pretty much at almost every event. So also connect with me in person because I'll probably be there. Awesome. Awesome. Make sure to say hi to Molly if you end up at an event. And last, but absolutely not least, Rachel, where can people find you? Maybe Instagram and Facebook are the easiest places to find me personally to connect. I don't post a lot, but I will happily I have conversations, um, look up pictures of you on <laughs> social media. No. Um, so if you just search Rachel Kimsey, K-I-M-Z-E-Y on Facebook or Instagram, I think my Instagram is R-A-C-H-E-L-K-I-M-Z as in zebra because people misspell my last name a lot. Um, so I just dropped the hard part. Um, yeah. So you can find me there and I'd love to connect, uh, chat about whatever. I also show up at student events fairly often, um, especially now being involved with the friends. So I'll probably see you um, pretty soon if I haven't already met you um, through Ascend. And if you're ever driving down Interstate 81 in Virginia, um, let me know, so I'm not too far off it. 
All right. Sounds good. Well, uh, once again, thank all of you very much for joining us on this episode of the Be Unbound podcast. Uh, if you are a listener here and you uh, heard all of this and Unbound or our Send program sounds really interesting and you want to learn more about it, uh, the website for Unbound is beunbound.us. You can go there to learn a lot more about what we do here and our college program that all of us here are alumni of. So once again, thank you all for listening and we will see you all in the next episode.